Today on the show, we're talking about camping. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name is Courtney, I'm your host, and today I'm joined with Trevor, and today we're talking about camping. Yeah, camping is something that's pretty near and dear to my heart. I, I did it as a kid myself, and then I, I did it as, an, as a young adult, and, and then I did it w- with a young family, So, and now I'm doing it as an older adult, so I enjoy camping. On, uh, I've enjoyed it my whole life and for a variety of reasons. So I think camping is just one of those activities where, yes, you do perceive it as this inexpensive kind of pastime, but there are financial considerations I think you have to take into, into effect. Well, camping, you're right, it can be inexpensive, but it can be outrageously expensive. I mean, if you take a, a high-end RV and a, and a $65,000 pickup truck, I mean, that is anything but inexpensive. So you can take this in a whole, a whole different possible directions. But I, I'm, I did camping uh, in a, primarily in a tent as a, as a child. And I, I did have a small trailer for a period of time when I had a young family. But as they got older, the trailer felt kind of small and cramped. So we, we, we evolved into tent camping. And uh, we didn't do it because it was cheaper. We did it because we got in touch with nature more. So, I mean, I kind of contrasting the idea of uh, camping in more of a kind of an RV trailer type setting. I mean, it, just to contrast again against um, something I'm sure our listeners have heard of, of is glamping. So glamping is kind of glamorized camping where you are technically out in nature, but it's not quite why, what you consider camping. And I'm not knocking people that camp in, in high-end RVs because that that's a, uh, a niche group of people that, that, you know, I've watched a lot of YouTube videos on people that actually go full-time RVing, they, meaning they that's where they live. And one thing I've discovered in just diving into that that world is they're a very close-knit bunch. I mean, the very supportive group. And, and I'm kind of intrigued by that aspect of RVing. I, I, may, I may do that. And if you're doing full-time RVing as opposed to living in a house, I, I, I don't think it's expensive if you look at it from that perspective. Oh, and, and I completely agree with that. I mean, if we can't even begin to, to touch on how how kind of economical that can be if you are living in a full-time if you are full t- living a full-time RVing lifestyle. But I mean, to your point, Trevor, if you are if you make and if you make camping an excuse to own all of these kind of expensive pieces of equipment just for the occasional trip, then then I think this episode is is kind of targeted to maybe individuals who are who who want to go camping but maybe aren't aware of I don't know the the more inexpensive routes to take. Yeah, I I agree. There, there's camping can be very uh, a very frugal way to take a vacation. It it, it absolutely can, and it, and it can be a very expensive way. And I just wanted to mention, we did an episode 49 on full-time RVing, and we had a couple on that, that they're full-time RVers. They're out in Tofino, BC. They, they started in New Brunswick, and they their story is really incredible. What got them to, to go full-time RVing, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't driven by camping or desire to be on vacation. It was a lifestyle choice. So I just want to say that full-time RVing, that, that's a whole separate show, whole separate conversation. So this is about vacations and camping. And I think to your point, so camping, it, it, it should be inexpensive if it's done properly. And it can be super expensive if it's not. So let's leave RVs 
in the, the cost of RVs out of the conversation, I think what do you, it, I think it kind of distorts where I, where I want to go with this episode. Definitely. And I, I agree with that. I think it's important, yeah, to our listeners and to us to kind of lay that foundation that, I mean, I, and I, Trevor, I think it's, it's easy to admit that as soon as you bring RVs into the equation, any kind of type of motorized moving thing that you're going to bring camping, that automatically escalates your cost. So yes, to, for the simplicity of this episode, I think we're going to look strictly at tent camping um, and how to make that economical. And again, tent, tent, tent camping can be expensive if you don't sort of pay attention to what you're spending money on. So if, if I think of camping, there's there's really two kinds of, of tent camping you can do. There's what I call car camping, meaning you set your tent up beside your car at a, a, a campground like a provincial park or a KOA. Or there's wilderness camping where you, you either you have a backpack on or you get in a canoe and you go into the wilderness. So those are, in my mind, those are really the two distinctions in tent camping. And, and so both of them can be, uh, you can do them very frugally or you can do them really expensive. So we'll start with tent camping. Well, actually, Trevor, I, I first I, want to ask you a question too. I mean, you said you went camping as a kid and maybe this is just kind of a prelude for our listeners too. I mean, did, did your childhood camping experiences leave any bad taste in your mouth regarding maybe the cost of camping or, or how much work it seemed? Because I think that could be, that kind of maybe is always a starting base for maybe our listeners' experiences of camping as kind of their previous experiences. Uh, camping as a kid was a, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I just have pleasant memories of it. And as a result, I did it as a young adult and I continued to do it when I had a young family. And now as an, as an older adult, I, I still do it. So I enjoyed camping my, my whole life. So I've never had really a bad experience or, or things that I wish were different. So, okay. So that makes sense. So, so I've never listeners who maybe did maybe f- or their, their parents maybe expressed concerns about the financial cost of camping. This, I guess this episode is, is for you to, to kind of shine light on how to make camping kind of that very inexpensive, make it, make it what you want to make it, I guess. So Trevor, I, I want you, I mean, I think our listeners might be aware of, of car camping, kind of the very, very predictable, stereotypical camp, camp kind of image that comes to your head. But what is kind of wilderness camping? For any listeners who maybe aren't, haven't done that before, are not aware. So the distinction between when car camping and wild, uh, outback camping or wilderness camping, a lot of times the, the biggest distinction is the weight of which the, your equipment that you bring with you. Because when you're carrying it on your back or you're, you're paddling in a canoe, weight is everything. So you tend to have to buy extremely lightweight equipment, which tends to be expensive. So, I mean, when you're wilderness camping, you want a lightweight tent, you want lightweight pots and pans, you want a lightweight yet warm sleeping bag. Uh, You have considerations that you don't have with car camping is water purification. Uh, You need to have a safe way to transport transport a stove fuel with you so there's a lot of considerations in wilderness camping that you don't have with car camping because the conveniences are there waiting for you so i i wilderness camping in my mind tends to be more expensive for the equipment but the the camping fees that you pay to 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 use the park tend to be cheaper so in my mind they kind of offset because the camping equipment you tend to spend more on it. It tends to be more fragile. So you you tend to have to replace wilderness camping, the lightweight stuff more often. It tends to wear out just because of its lightweight nature. But but the camping fees to use the park where you're camping, sometimes they're free and sometimes the cost is very low. Whereas car camping, the camping fees tend to be expensive, but the equipment tends to be cheaper to buy. 
So, I mean, given given those two contrasting um, price variables between the two, do you think one is preferable over the other? Do you think they really do, like you're saying, kind of balance each other out? They're two completely different experiences. I don't even, calling them both camping is kind of a misnomer because to me, they're, they're, they couldn't be more different. And I enjoy them both. So I, I wouldn't pick one over the other. And I, I, I do them both for different reasons. So for me, they're, they're, it's almost like two separate hobbies or two separate vac- vacation styles. So you, you can't even take the cost in cons- into consideration. Then you're not going to do one over the other just for cost. You're, it's, it's more for the pure enjoyment you get out of it. Some people, they just, they can't stand. I know a guy, he cannot stand car camping, you know, at, at a provincial park. It just drives him crazy. Like the, just the idea of it just, he thinks it's a complete waste of time. And I know other people that are just terrified of wilderness camping and being out in the middle of nowhere without, you know, an internet connection or something, <laughs> something like that. So, <laughs> so, so. How do I, how do I charge my iPhone? So I think it's actually unusual to find somebody who likes both. I think that I'm a, I'm a rare commodity t- to really enjoy both equally. Definitely. So I kind of want to get into, so we do have an article here and I think in the article, maybe explore the costs of each equipment a little bit more. Cause I do have a couple more questions about that. Um, but I, I think we'll explore it within this article as well. So the article we are focusing on today is by Victoria. It is called 10 ways thrifty people save money on camping. It is from snailpacetransformations.com. Looks like a lot, there's a lot of fantastic articles on this uh, site. So we'll, we'll leave the link to this article in our show notes. You can check out the other uh, fantastic articles from this website. And I, I just want to say this snail's pace transformation is a fabulous website. Like I, I spent a, a bit of time on their website and it is just, it's everything our podcast is about. I mean, and the, the whole concept of snail pace transformation is to, to just slow down and enjoy life. That, that seems to be the underlying message this website has. So we'll leave a link to the, to the show notes to this website because it is really, there's a lot of good stuff here. So the first thing here that it kind of breaks this article kind of breaks camping into two different um, categories. One is kind of how to save money on camping supplies and then how to save money on each and every camping trip. So there's kind of five points within each. And the first one on how to save money on camping supplies is to borrow. So this point kind of talks about if you have family, if you have family members or friends who, who camp, um, it, it really talks about borrowing and sharing equipment that way. Well, and if you're starting out camping, if this is your first trip, absolutely borrow. I mean, if you go out and you're, you, you know, say you have three kids and two of them hate it, like uh, it's probably not a good choice. Like some people just do not like getting out in nature and all the dirt and the bugs and all that stuff. I mean, it, or or perhaps your family's not ready. They're too young. And, and so if you can borrow the equipment and test drive camping, or maybe you want to test drive wilderness camping versus car camping, you know, the equipment that you need for both are quite different. So, in fact, I got into wilderness camping through borrowed equipment and decided to found out I loved it. So, uh, it, it worked out. I, I, I could have, turns out I could have bought it, but I'm glad I, I had the chance to to test drive it with borrowed equipment. So, this is a great way to decide if camping is for you or, or if your young family is at the stage where you can camp and enjoy it. So, from this, I have a few kind of different questions um, from what you just said. And the first one is... I mean, you were saying when we started the episode that 
you you kind of really nice and transition from from camping as a kid to camping as an adolescent to camping with a young family so you kind of you sound like you never really missed a beat with camping and and it sounds like your kids were on board with camping from the beginning I mean and how how for how did you how did how did that happen how did your kids get so on board so fast well so I, I camped as a kid and then when I became a young adult there was this gap of time where yeah, I was at a certain age where my parents kind of went on their own camping. They, you know, I, they were, I was sort of too old to go with them, I guess, or they didn't, I didn't want to go with them. I can't remember how that evolved, but, uh, there was a small window time where I didn't camp. And then, uh, uh, I, then I camped as a young adult. I, 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 and then when we had a young family, we, we took a break from camping. Obviously, you can't, it's really hard to take babies camping, although you, I think I've seen people do it, but it's, it's really hard. But the first time we went camping with our kids, they, it turns out they were too young and we had a really bad experience. And what we ended up doing was we went out and bought a tent trailer thinking that was the problem, right? We tried to do it in tents and it didn't work. We thought, well, we must need a trailer. And so like most people, I just threw money at the problem and it didn't solve it. So I, now I had this trailer and my kids were still too young for me to me or them to enjoy camping. By the time they were old enough to enjoy camping, we found the trailer was just too small and everybody in that trailer was just, we were stepping on each other. So we went back to tent camping where you have a dining tent and you have more space for cooking and just, you know, you're, you're not trying to operate inside a small space. So that, that my mistake was trying to throw money at a problem rather than, you know, standing back and looking and saying, you know, what's wrong here? I, I just assumed money would fix this and it didn't. So going back to kind of the borrowing thing, I think and maybe it's important to highlight that borrowing doesn't always have to be um, from from family or friends. It can also be from companies who, who are in the business of you can borrow equipment from that company. Yeah, I, I've seen places like that. So if you go to wilderness camping, so we're kind of jumping between topics here, you can rent a lot of, um, uh, you know, wilderness camping. One of the things you need when you go uh, canoeing, for instance, is rather than using a backpack, a lot of people get what's called a barrel. And so it's this plastic barrel that seals water tight. So if your canoe were to flip over, your barrel, your all your stuff in this barrel would not get wet and destroyed by the water. And that these barrels are something that you, you would only use canoeing. So if you say you like backpacking, car camping, canoeing, and maybe you only go canoeing once a year, it, it might make more sense to rent the barrel rather than buy it because they're kind of expensive and you you would never use it in any other one in any of those other camping scenarios. So that's one thing I do is I rent these these barrels they, and they fit in like a into a they, they actually look like a backpack. So it's a barrel that fits into a backpack sort of sling that you put on your your back. So when you're portaging your canoe, you can carry your your barrel. So I rent those. So that's an example of renting equipment. But I want to say when it comes to borrowing equipment, I had a bad experience. So when I was a young adult, I went camping with a bunch of my friends and I borrowed my parents' tent and my parents, they were older. And one thing that was important to them in a tent was the ability to stand up when you're getting dressed or just, they don't want to be in a tent crouched over. So they loaned me this, this tent and it was just massive. I mean, it would just, it, it went on forever. It had two rooms. It was so big. And my friends, they, um, that I went with, they all had these cool little dome tents, you know, these, they could set it up and. I don't know, a minute and a half. And I was 20 minutes in and still setting my tent up and it was this great big thing. So so I had a bad experience borrowing a tent. So my, what my parents needed in a tent is not what I needed as a young adult. 
So borrowing their tent turned out to be a bad experience. So sometimes if you borrow equipment that's not suited to your needs, you will have a bad experience camping and it might turn you off from camping. I was waiting for the moment when you're, when you were about to say, and it broke. <laughs> no. And that's the other risk is if you borrow particularly a tent, a lot can happen to a tent. I mean, you could, you can rip it, setting it up. You can rip it, tearing it down. You can have sparks from the fire, hit your tent and put holes in it. So I, I think borrowing a tent is a high risk borrow. You know, that it's one of those things, mind you, tents are getting cheaper and cheaper to buy. So then they need to borrow one should become less and less uh, of an issue. Cause that, I've seen on sale, you can buy tents like at Walmart for 30 bucks. I mean, just to test drive camping, $30 is a, a pretty low investment. Actually, I want to, I mean, I don't know if this fits within boring, but I kind of want to talk about the cost of tents. I, I'm not sure whether it's going to fit in, but I, I'm going to bring it up now. But there's kind of that philosophy where maybe we live too much of a disposable society, but what is your take on kind of buying, I mean, tents, if you don't dry them properly, they kind of start smelling. And if you don't take care of the zipper, you know, they may get caught on the screen and break. So Trevor, what is your philosophy on maybe camping with young children or just camping in general on investing a lot of money? If we just look at car camping specifically on buying expensive equipment. So you're right. Tents are, are really cheap and they're coming up with, in, you know, revolutionary ideas on, on, on features that tents have that I don't know if they're all useful, but Every year, there's some new feature on, on a tent I see in a flyer. And to your point about disposable, I've, I've left provincial parks and seen tents in the garbage. And I'm not garbage picking, but you can, you can, I can see the tent and it, on the surface, it looks okay. You know, I mean, it's stuffing in a garbage can. I can only see so much of it. But I've seen enough tents in garbage cans, particularly if you're leaving camping uh, and, you know, it's raining or it's, it's a wet day. And I'm guessing these are people that just don't, you know, they paid so little for the tent, they just don't want to take it home and dry it out. So just from an environmental standpoint, I think that's a real bad idea. But but, but when I you think, buy an inexpensive tent, are you, do you, do you believe you're losing some quality or do you believe that, I mean, uh, to forget the tent that maybe is, is, is actually a very expensive tent. I mean, of course you're paying for that quality, but when you're, if you just stop by Canadian Tire or Walmart to pick up a, a tent as maybe uh, a young, maybe we've got an, a young adolescent uh, listener listening today, or even myself, I, I'm thinking kind of, I'm definitely in the market to buy a tent myself. I mean, what's, what's your advice there? Well, so if you buy a cheap tent, the, the, the main, th a tent needs to do two things. It needs to keep the bugs out and it needs to keep the rain out. If a tent does those two things, it served its purpose. It, it's, a, it's, it, it met its need. So most tents, I, I've yet to see a tent that, that's brand new and doesn't keep the bugs out. The, the screens are pretty well made now. Um, in terms of keeping the rain out, that's, that's the, the tough one. So if you buy a cheap tent, they will, they, they tend to endure a, a, a very light rain, but you get a torrential downpour and I'm yet to see a cheap tent that'll stand up to that. So a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll throw a tarp over it. Well, the minute you put a tarp over a tent that, and the tarp doesn't breathe, meaning air can't pass through it, now you have a condensation problem and you, you tend to get no airflow, so you get really hot. So, uh, you know, a lot of people think, well, I'll just throw a tarp over it. That, that's a short-term fix. And maybe you throw a tarp over it if you know a real thunderstorm, torrential downpour is coming, but that can't be your your go-to every day. So I, I've had cheap tents and I've had good tents. So the good tents, they tend to keep the rain out. Uh, they, they just do a better job. 
So I personally think investing a bit of money in a good quality tent is, is money well spent. So, I mean, in terms of borrowing supplies, as kind of my last point to point number one here, is there anything you, is there anything you kind of maybe shouldn't borrow that you should always kind of just invest in yourself? And is there something that it's, is there something you're like, you should maybe not buy because guaranteed this is a great item to borrow? So a camp stove is a great thing to borrow. They tend to be expensive and they, they're really hard they're pretty well made, hard to, hard to wreck, right? If you use it just to cook food, chances are you're not going to destroy it. Uh, sleeping bags are good. Th- you could borrow sleeping bags. I would wash them uh, before you return them. That's just out of courtesy. A uh, dining tent is probably something I'd consider borrowing. They, they don't cost that much, so the, the risk if you wreck it is, is pretty low. So I actually want to I, I want to talk about dining tents. Oh, so tarps another one. I do want to talk about dining tents um, just while you bring that up. I, I think this point is we're talking about a lot within this point. I'm, I'm definitely sidetracking the conversation a lot, but um, are, is dining tent something that you should invest in? I mean, is it that kind of unnecessary extra? Has it, has it benefited you? Have you always used dining tents when in a car camping setting, of course? So I have a theory about camping. The, the more you try to make camping like the comforts of home, the harder you will work to achieve it. So when we go camping, when we went camping as a young family, we, we discarded, you know, the idea of, you know, we're going to be as comfortable as we are at home, you know, because that's not what camping's about. A dining tent is an effort to, to create a, a clean room for eating and cooking in. And, and it, it does a good job of it, but it, it, there are a lot of work to set up. You know, keeping those zippers closed when you have young kids is near impossible. The kids just don't see the importance of closing the zipper on a dining tent. <laughs> but if <laughs> it drives me crazy. But if you are somewhere where there's a lot of bugs, a dining tent could, it's a game changer, right? You, if you're camping in late June, early July in a fairly damp area, there's going to be a lot of mosquitoes. That dining tent is, is a must. I mean, you, you literally, you can't camp without it. But you get into, you know, later into, into the end of August and you're sort of in a dry area, a dining tent, I, I think it can be a real burden. So I think you need to be open-minded. So we camped with young family. We, we've had a dining tent, but in the later part of the summer, we just put up a tarp just in the event that it rained. So there would be a tarp over a picnic table. And life is a lot easier when you're not trying to keep, it, it just changes your mentality on camping. You know, this, this trying to create this kitchen-like environment in a dining tent is a lot of, it, it takes a lot of energy to maintain. So do you, do you think your philosophy kind of around that has evolved um, as your kids grew up or just as your experiences uh, widened? Well, when you have young kids, they, they actually don't know enough to, 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 to kill a mosquito that's, you know, biting them, right? So that's a lot of, that's where a dining tent can just save you effort like that. But when your kids get older, they, they tend to know that, you know, if you sit in the shade, you're going to get eaten by mosquitoes. If you sit in the sun, you won't. So they kind of figure it out. So as your children get older, you, you kind of, they kind of figure it out. All right. So now that I've sidetracked the conversation enough, let's move on to number two within how to save money on camping supplies. And number two is buy used. So I, I have seen a lot of stuff. I've sold some used stuff and uh, th- this is a good idea. There's certain things that I probably wouldn't buy used. I probably wouldn't buy a used sleeping bag because a sleeping bag that's for sale that's used is probably worn out. So I, I probably wouldn't buy that. Uh, the 
I would buy a used camp stove. I, I almost did. I ended up buying a new one, but looking back, I wish I would have bought that used one. I probably wouldn't buy used water jugs. Uh, so there's a lot of things I wouldn't buy used. And again, tents are getting so inexpensive. I, I don't think I would buy a used tent. So I don't know if there's a lot I would buy used, actually. Tar- I, I, tarps, maybe? Get, uh, tarps are so cheap. I don't know if I'd buy a used tarp. So most of the stuff I bought for camping, I, I bought new and I think I bought a used lantern. So a gas lantern I bought used. Um, I, I saw a camp stove that was used. It, it was at a really good price. I wish I would have bought it, but I didn't. But most of the stuff I've acquired is, is new. If if you look after the stuff, it, it's worth buying new and, and just keeping it clean and, and in working order. So point number three here is buy it on clearance. So this, this extends to buying camping supplies as they go on sale after summer and the weather turns to fall. Yeah, this this is this is how I've accumulated most of my stuff, and it, it is it is like you can get stuff at such a deal if you're buying it at the end of the camping season, and it's a real small window of time. You can't you can't be looking in October because it's all gone by then. We're talking uh, September, beginning of September, end of August. This is when all this stuff is is on clearance. So in the the window of time, I'm gonna say it's like a month, maybe it's more like three weeks, and. You just have to be on top of it. And, and it's the last thing you're motivated to do, right? Like your camping's over, you're packing this stuff away, you're thinking about back to school, you're thinking about, you know, other things. But that 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 buying that stuff on sale, I mean, there's 50% off is not uncommon, even, even 60 and 70% off. So that is the time to buy this stuff. Now, the selection is going to be obviously less, but uh, the, the savings is astronomical. So point number four here is sharing and sharing extends to what in what is described in this article as actually splitting the cost of 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 camping objects or camping equipment with uh with a group of other people so i don't agree with this at all i I don't i don't agree in splitting the cost of say a tent or or even a a lanterns and stoves and stuff like that i what here's what i i do so i mentioned that wilderness camping the the equipment is more expensive than than car camping equipment so my son, he does a lot of wilderness camping, and, and I do some. So and the, this article says you only use this stuff two or three weeks a year. So the rest of the time, it's just sitting there, not being used. So what happened, me and my son, we share this equipment. So like a, a camp stove for car camping is, is very inexpensive compared to a, a wilderness camping stove. It's super lightweight, super small, but it costs a lot more. So we share uh, a tent, stove, water purification system, a whole bunch of miscellaneous equipment, pots and pans, all this super lightweight stuff. We share it. But the way we've, we've built this, this, uh, this camping kit is not by splitting the cost, but I bought the tent, he bought the stove, you know, I bought the dishes, he bought the, the uh, plates and knives and forks. So each of us contributed a piece of equipment to this, this group kit and we, we share it that way. So if something happens to the tent, well, I bought the tent, so I'll replace the tent. Or maybe I bought the tent this time, you know, you buy the tent next time. So it, it at the end of the day, just just say, obviously this isn't going to happen between me and my son, but just say you did it with a friend and then you and your friend decided, you know, you had a disagreement and you don't want to do this anymore. Well, you, you know, sever the relationship and you take the equipment you contributed with you. So it, it I think it's, you know, splitting the cost on it, it just becomes whenever you get money and, and friends together it, it it tends to not end well or 
you know, it becomes, there's always going to be some sort of difficult issue to be resolved. So I, when I say share, I'm saying, you know, here's a, a bunch of equipment. I own some, you own some, we're going to share it. I, I really, really like that, especially given that, um, given, given the size of, 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 of a part, I mean, I, I, if your son lives in a, in a small place as well, he might not have room for everything or, or if you are, you're downsizing yourself you and your wife son, are downsizing soon. So, I mean, just being able to, to balance the, the gear kit between the two of you even, or even to have in the same space. I, I agree though wholeheartedly with not kind of splitting an item down the middle as opposed to creating this kit. I think it's a great idea. So number five here is uh, use reselling and point programs to help you with the cost of supplies. I tend to use up my equipment. So by the time I'm done with my equipment, I, I don't think there's a lot there to sell to somebody. Uh, may, maybe I'm underestimating what I consider something I would take out camping and somebody else, may, maybe they would use my my leftovers. I, I don't know. But there's one place I've been. Uh, there's a, a, a sort of an outdoor store in my town and they have what's called the gear swap. And that's where you you take your equipment in and you can either it's either it's it's one weekend a year and so you bring your equipment down that you want to get rid of and you can either trade it or sell it and i've taken some stuff there and i've had more success trading stuff with some other fellow camper who and this is where it really shows up is people who had a young family they went car camping and now they want to take their young family wilderness camping you know they've sort of done all they can do with car camping and they want to move on and so what they're doing is they're, they've brought all their car camping equipment. So for instance, the stove that you take car camping is not one you would take wilderness camping. So they're, they're down there with their, their car camping stove. They're wanting to sell or trade it. And just say there's somebody who's just getting too old for wilderness camping and they just can't sort of portage that canoe anymore. And they want to get rid of their, you know, uh, wilderness camping stove. So, you know, there's a place where they could trade, right? So this, this older person, maybe they're going to move back into car camping because they, you know, they can't physically do the wilderness camping anymore. So it's a way you can sort of help each other, scratch each other's back. And and you mentioned how much of a community the RV community is. And I think that same kind of community exists among uh, campers. I mean, anyone who's ever been camping in a provincial park where the sites are kind of are, pro- are close together approximately. Um, there's definitely that sense of community. I mean, when you go by campsites and you wave to other other families who are camping, I, it definitely creates that c- community because you're all kind of in the same boat, just just ruggedly living um, on in your campsite away from home for for x amount of days or weeks. You know, I remember one time we were camping and we woke up and it was pouring rain. And right beside us was this older couple camping. I, I had three young kids, and this older guy came over to uh, and <laughs> basically knocked on my tent. And it was, you know, it was around ten o'clock, the mid morning. Kind of figured we'd be awake. And he said, uh, "I don't know if you're aware, but they're they're doing a a kids activity in this interpretive center at this provincial park we were at." And I wasn't aware of it, but he kind of knew. I had three young kids, and it's pouring rain, and we're in a tent. And he come over and gave me this little huge nugget of, of uh, information that was able to get my family out of this tent and, and, and occupy these young kids and who were just, I was running out of things to do within this tent as pouring rain outside. So that, that's that idea of community. You're kind of, we're helping each other. We, they knew what I was up against. I'm sure they'd been there before when they had a young family and they, they gave me this little tip and it made all the difference in the world to that day. So this ends uh, the five points on how to save money on camping supplies. And before we head on to the next section of how to save money on each and every camping trip, I want to, I, I kind of have a kind of concluding question for you regarding this section in that 
if, if I mean, if you are, I'm, you obviously have, but if any of your listeners too have stepped foot into any type of camping or outdoor store, there are, there are a crazy amount of camping supplies and, and tools and equipment. And I feel like when you get wrapped up in uh, Mech or MEC um, or even Sale, if anyone uh, has uh, visited those stores, it's, it's easy to kind of lose yourself. So where do you kind of draw the line with what equipment you actually need to buy new or even to buy at all? Well, you, you raise a good point. I mean, don't go to a store like Sale or MEC without a list. I mean, if you go in there, you could just lose your mind. And what happens is you go in there and you might have your eye on a tent or a sleeping bag. And when you go in there, you realize that it's the cheapest. You, you know, you've picked the cheapest one. And and you look at all these higher end ones that you, you know, you, you've obviously decided you don't want. You think, oh, I must be, you know, out of my mind. I'm buying the cheapest tent. How, how wrong is that? But go to those stores with a list because you will lose your mind. And the, you could upsell yourself so easily. So, and, and for instance, they have tents set up on display. It's never the cheap one you're buying. They always have the, the high-end ones set up, right? Because those are the ones they're trying to sell you. And, and you know, you can step in those and, and say, oh, yeah, I could definitely, this is the tent for me. So you, you could upsell yourself in a hurry in these stores. So go there with a list and, and don't get diverted. And I'm sure it's probably... Um it's probably even more difficult maybe when you have a young family because you want the, you want the best, the best you may, you maybe want those bug suits to keep the bugs out when they, so they can walk around and not get bitten. Or maybe you want that tent with a really good screen or, or, or maybe the best kind of dishes for them. So I'm, I'm sure it kind of gets again, a little more complex when kids are involved. And also know your, you, you're as good as you know what your needs are. So there's no sense going to buy a, a really high, really expensive, lightweight, super lightweight tent. If you're going car camping, you're paying such a premium for it being lightweight and your car can carry the heaviest tent. So it's buy for your current needs, not, not for something you might, you know, you might go wilderness camping. So I should buy a lightweight tent. Who knows? I might go someday. If you're car camping, buy a car camping tent. That actually raises a, another kind of follow up question there. So when, when we're talking, when we're talking about kind of those two different types of camping, you buy, do you buy completely separate? Do you have two sets of kits essentially, one for, well, including with your son? Do you have one set for wilderness and then one completely um, different set for, for car camping? And how, how much do they kind of cross over with some of the equipment that you use? They are pretty independent. Like I mentioned with the stove, I mean, the, I would never take a, a wilderness camping stove, car camping. It would just seem crazy. The sleeping bags, they kind of cross over. But um, the wilderness camping equipment is so lightweight and I'm going to say somewhat fragile that I don't want to take it car camping and, and wear that expensive stuff out unnecessarily. So I, I tend to, I, I have a tent for car camping. I have a tent for wilderness camping. So I, there's an example where I have two tents uh, and one is super lightweight. The poles are like super fragile. I mean, they're, they, they terrify me every time I set that thing up that I'm going to kink one of those poles. And my car camping tent, I, I, I you know, it, it's super durable and, I, I, I have very little concern when I'm setting it up or taking it down. So there is some equipment that crosses over, but there's a lot that doesn't. Uh, so the next section here is how to save money on each and every camping trip. So, I mean, Trevor, just before we jump into kind of the points within this section, I mean, I'm sure you have kind of experienced the, the range and, and, and costs of different campsites, different campgrounds, and, and maybe the times of year that you went and what kind of camping you did. Well, camping, it, it can be... Um, when I was younger, I... I 
you know, you lose track of what things cost, but the cost, you know, for the campsite fees when I was younger seemed to be just this insignificant amount. This just, it was just a, a rounding error in the whole trip, right? It was just, it, it was not, it didn't play a, a factor on, you know, what, where are we going to go or what are we going to do? But campsite fees have gone up, I think more than inflation. Cause now when you go camping, it's a significant cost to the trip, the campsite fees. And I'm talking about car camping here. And if you need hookups like hydro and water, I mean, you're talking the price of a hotel room. Generally it can be, well, not quite. I mean, close to, you know, close to the price of a low end hotel room, but it's a significant number. So this article mentions, you know, campsites can cost uh, you know, around $70 was an average they come up with, you know, another $70 and you got a night in a, in a pretty nice hotel room. So it's a different ambience, a different experience. I'm not saying, you know, that's what, you know, the hotel room is the, is is what we're striving for, but it, it's a, it's a benchmark. It's a comparison. Well, yeah, because I mean, some people, if, if, if you're going if you're going on a trip you might you might pack your camping stuff just to camp in a campground if it's a nice night then just go to a hotel just to save but what you're saying here is you you might not be saving much and you're, you should go for the experience versus the cost savings at, at some point oh well and that, that was my point right there i think you, camping is a lot of work if you're doing it to save money so i think you should camp for the experience only if you're camping to save money you're going to be miserable because you know the, the 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 showering the eating it, it it's it's a lot of work if you're not enjoying the atmosphere. So I would caution anybody to go camping to save money. You 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 have to enjoy where you are. The the other thing is I I don't know that I would if I I would pay a premium to go to a place I want to be camping. Like I'm not going to go camp on the side of a highway because it's cheaper rather than in this beautiful secluded provincial park in the you know on this peninsula where i got water all around me or or on the side of a highway because it's cheaper i'm I'm never going to make that trade off so i think if you're where you want to be when you're camping you should be willing to pay for it to follow up on that then trevor is there i mean i haven't done much campsite booking myself and maybe for our listeners who who haven't done as well is there is there do prices vary based on the time you book or or how far ahead you book Is, is there any is there any could you have any kind of tips or tricks from from your uh, your perspective of booking campsites, well, to get a provincial park, I'm in Ontario, so to get a provincial park in Ontario, it, it is literally a wait list if you're trying to get in on a weekend. But what we always did is, so every provincial park in in Ontario, they they have to leave so many campsites that can be reserved and so many campsites that are for first come first serve customers. So what we always did is we rather than go, you know, start our va- our camping vacation on a Friday, uh, you know, Friday night or even a Saturday, we started our vacation on a Sunday night. So most people are are you know leaving the campgrounds uh, after the weekend and where there's a, just a plethora of sites to pick from. So just to sacrifice two nights of camping, we were able to get uh, you know the pick of, of a, a whole bunch of web uh, a whole bunch of uh, campsites just by going on a Sunday night rather than a Friday or Saturday night so the next point within this list and and one that is maybe more important than you consider because you're all wrapped up in in the equipment that you need and stuff like that but is plan your camping trip menu at least one week in advance well th- that's a good idea but you know just to add on to to food and camping the what one of the mistakes we made especially with the young family is we tried to replicate meals we made at home camping and it, it was always a lot of work required a lot of food that had real short expiry dates and uh, it, it never turned out. So we were always disappointed. But the one thing a lot of people forget is for some reason, food always tastes better outdoors than it does in your kitchen. I don't know why. I'm hard pressed to find anybody who doesn't feel the same way. So 
you could really simplify your menu and everyone will still love it. It, it. But I think the key is don't try to make the same thing you made at home because you already have this preconceived notion of what it should taste like. And you'll never replicate that on a camp stove or a fire. So my, my first thing is never make the same things you traditionally eat at home. When you're camping, make something different because nobody will be able to say this doesn't taste good because they have nothing to compare it to. So that's number one. Number two is try to cook with as many non-perishables as possible. And so, for instance, uh, pank egg mix, you know, you just add water. So it's not perishable and all you, the only ingredient you need is water. Pasta, you just boil it in water, right? So um, hot cereals, all these things, they, they, they don't expire. So you don't need to put them in a cooler and you just need to add water. So dehydrated things, you just add water and you've got a meal. So a cup of soups, you know, instant soups. There's so many of them. And, and then you can go to these well outdoor stores like Sale and, and MEC. And these are expensive, but you can buy dehydrated meals in, in these bags. You just boil in water. It's expensive, but maybe you buy a couple of those to treat yourself for a, a nice dinner. So those are the two things I would say around food and camping. This is car camping. Actually, this is any camping. It is try not to make the same things you make that's probably the most important one. Don't try to replicate meals you made at home. Do you, uh, after hearing this, I'm just, I'm just wondering, do you have any kind of fun horror stories from, from maybe any of your camping experiences with a, with a cooler gone wrong and, and end the food inside of it? Yeah, that's something you really have to stay on top of. You know, that, that, that ice can disappear in a hurry. And, uh, I've, I my per, myself have, have eaten some stuff. That cooler water is almost like poison. So any food that touches that cooler water, <laughs> if you ingest that food, I mean, you're going to spend some time in a nasty outhouse. Uh, I, I can't caution that that, that cooler water is, is dangerous stuff. But you really have to stay on top of it. And, you know, you leave a cooler in, in a car in a hot sun and, and, and people are, you know, they open up, I can't believe this ice is already melted. Well, of course it is. You just left it in the hot sun all day. So... A cooler is just, it's a lot of work to keep a cooler cool. So next point in this list and, and something I'm wondering if you uh, you have engaged in is uh, make a master list of supplies. Anybody who's ever been to a, uh, every everywhere there's a campground, there's a camp store, right? These stores of, of to sell supplies and food and whatnot for all the stuff you might have forgotten or you don't feel like driving into town, which might be 30 minutes away to, to stock up. These stores... The markup on their stuff is outrageous. You will pay such a premium for for anything you buy there, food, supplies, whatever. So it, particularly if you're car camping, you know, you've got the space, bring it. And so my story is I once went camping and I forgot my hatchet. I forgot it at home. So I had taken it out of my camping equipment to get it sharpened. And I got it back from sharpening and I never put it back with the camp equipment. So we get camping and I can't find my axe. And I, I just realized I can could, I could picture where it is. It's, it's at home. But so I, I, I went to the camp store to, to, to buy a replacement axe and it was outrageously expensive. Like I was going to pay three times what I would pay for an axe, you know, normally. So I said, I'm not paying that. So I get back to the campground and we try to have a fire with unsplit firewood. Well, it was more of a smolder than a fire, right? <laughs> we, we just could not get this stuff going. So I ended up going back the next day and paying three times what I would have paid for an axe anywhere else at this store. And I, 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 had, I have a grudge with those people ever since, right? I just, I, I couldn't look them in the eye anymore because they, they basically robbed me. So bring the stuff you need, or if you, 
occasionally you have to make a trip in or replenish your groceries and you go into into town, you know, that might be 30 minutes away. Make a list when you do that because, like, you know, your environment's not the same. So you just write down everything you need. So you don't have, you're not going to drive another 30 minutes because you forgot bread, right? So I, I think when you're camping, it's, 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 you're going to pay a premium if you're not prepared. So Trevor, what you're saying then is that even if you are not, if you're not typically a list maker, you're, you should become a list maker when it comes to preparing for camping. Oh, because you're, you're going to pay a premium if you don't, right? You, you, being without whatever supply it is you need or, or equipment will make your trip miserable. And, and then if you come to the conclusion that you need it, like that acts you're going to pay a premium and you'll still be miserable. So the second last point here is plan for the unexpected. So, I mean, I, I love to hear your thoughts on this, but my kind of question to this is, is how, how much is too much when it comes to planning for the unexpected? Every time we went camping with a young family, there was always something we needed that we didn't have. So all the planning in the world still didn't give us what we needed, you know, for every catastrophe that arose. So I wouldn't be too hard on yourself if you don't, you know, if you, if you end up uh, unprepared for a particular event. So obviously sunscreen, this article says Benadryl for mosquito bites, band-aids, basically a first aid kit. I mean, those are kind of the things everybody should have with when they go camping, but chances are you're going to, you're going to wish you had that one more piece of rope or one more tarp. Like you you just don't know when you go camping, the, the, the specific environment you're going to have to work with. So the last point here on this list is plan for a rainy day. And and like we we're saying earlier, you did have a rainy day with your kids and I'm sure you had a lot of other rainy days as well. So rainy days aren't a, aren't a horrible thing. I remember some torrential downpours. I mean, it just, it rained like, like I've never seen it rain. Like I call it movie rain. You know, when it rains in the movies, it rains like <laughs> just so hard. Like it never rains like that. And it would rain like that for like hours and my kids remember those days and those torrential downpours more than the sunny days because they were it was exciting, right? Even a thunderstorm is exciting when you're camping because it's like right there, right in front of you. Uh, and I remember taking my kids swimming in the rain. So stuff like that, it can be fun. So you can make fun out of rainy days. But one of the best things we ever did on rainy days is wherever I was going camping, I would just randomly figure out where the local public library was, the closest one. And I would keep that in my back pocket because if it rained, we're going to the local public library rather than the mall to buy a bunch of things we don't need because we're bored. So that that was a, a good trick I use. I don't know if it's a trick, but the local library, it's free. It's full of books and it can occupy your kids for hours and it costs nothing. So Trevor, that brings us to the end of this article and, and kind of the 10 points on uh, thrifty things you can do to save money while camping. Is there anything kind of missed or any any kind of final thoughts you have to wrap up this episode? I think just for camping in general, don't go camping because it's it's inexpensive. Go camping because you want to enjoy the outdoors and nature. But just know that it, it is it is a frugal way of having a vacation and, and, and getting away from the hustle and bustle of life. So that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for everyone who uh, listened to us today on uh, on talking about camping and how to be thrifty. If there's any thrifty camping tips that you have that we didn't talk about, uh, send us a con- uh, contact submission form over on our website, livelifesimple.ca um, or send us a message on social media. We'd love to kind of explore other thrifty ways to go camping if there's anything that you have up your sleeve. Um, and we'll have a link to this article in our show notes as well. And until next week, keep it 
simple. 